Welcome to the Museum of Dance podcast, Mod Pod, where we discuss why we dance. I'm your host, Jamie Ray Wright. Today, we're speaking with an award-winning choreographer whose work has been seen on stage, film, television, video, and even on ice. This artist is also an in-demand dance educator who travels widely to teach workshops, master classes, and is currently on the faculty of Alonzo King Lions Dance Center in San Francisco. Let me introduce Lynn Bernhante. Thank you very much for coming, Lynn. Thank you, Jamie. My pleasure being here. I love this. This is great. Well, you know, one of the things that I do with every artist that I speak to is I want to find out who they are as people. So I was just wondering, you know, can you tell a little bit about where you come from and how you found dance or how did dance find you? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Oakland, California, and my parents, particularly my father, who was a musician, uh, said that I, I uh, danced before I walked. I was just, they didn't know what to do with me. I was just dancing <laughs> everywhere. And when I was three, they took me to Oakland Ballet and to see if there were any kind of classes or some sort of training that they could channel all this energy, uh, help me channel all this energy into. And so that's how it started. And I, I just fell in love with it. I, I, I loved every minute of it. And my, also, as, as I stayed with that, uh, my parents were great uh, theater goers and concert goers. So we saw a lot of theater, a lot of plays, a lot of acts, you know, theater acts and so forth. And this one in particular, I, I remember I was around 12 or 13, I think like 13. It was a primarily a dance act and it was at the Palace Hotel in, in San Francisco. And um, coincidentally, my father at one point in his career had that gig at the Palace Hotel to play, for playing for uh, patrons there and so forth and also had a radio show from there. Anyway, just happened to be at the Palace Hotel, and I fell in love with what I saw. It was an amazing group of dancers, and I I begged my mom and dad to find out who this person was, who was running this, and could was there any chance of studying with them and so forth. And it turned out it was Mike Medill, and who was a great theater uh, dancer, choreographer, had traveled all over the world, and was now in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And so I started studying with him. And it was very much in the form of Jerome Robbins, Jack Cole. And that was my introduction to jazz. And so I continued to study ballet. Up until that point, I'd only had ballet. But this was just so fascinating. It was so energetic and just incredibly intoxicating, I would say, for a 13-year-old. And I started studying. I showed up in class with him in my pink tights and leotard and bun. And these people were... They were all adults, you know, and they were they were doing all this crazy stuff and rolling on the floor, and and I was just just amazed and enthralled, and I've never stopped being amazed and enthralled my entire life. It's kept me fascinated and excited and interested my entire life. That whole the whole jazz dance, contemporary jazz form is uh, is just irresistible to me. <laughs> So that's, that's how it all started, and I just kept studying, studying, and uh, then eventually started working a bit professionally 
when I was uh, about 16, I had my first club gig, which was illegal, but it happened. And uh, just kept going from there. A lot of studying. Uh, went uh, into a lot of modern work um, as I got older, older and then uh, more oh, sort of, I would say, industrial work. And uh, ultimately, through various different, I worked in, you know, I was in LA for a while, and and then back up here to San Francisco. I I got to uh, Anne Marie Garvin in San Francisco, who is a genius choreographer and teacher, and she was a protege of of uh, Ron Lewis, another great choreographer, uh, Liza Minnelli's choreographer, lots of Vegas and Broadway uh, work. And I studied with her and started working with her and with a bit with Ron Lewis, but mostly mostly with Anne Marie in a show called Dance Between the Lines and every other show, lots of other shows, rather, um, with her. That that was a hit show, ran here in San Francisco and L.A. for five years, sold out the entire, pretty much the entire run. It was great. Uh, did, uh, you know, casino venues, cruise ships, lived in Paris for a while, dancing there. Then, then back to L.A., a lot of theater work and industrial work in L.A. And then the last few years, bit back and forth, San Francisco, L.A. Does that kind of cover it? Is that too much? Not enough? No, it's, not, it's not too much at all. It's, it's very, very interesting. Yeah, this is the initial guy, Mike McGill or Mike Mazil? Medill. M-A-D-I-L-L. Uh-huh. And um, yeah. so I assume the Paris Hotel had sort of a supper club kind of show. It, it was the, the Palace, the Palace Hotel here in San Francisco. The, no, the Palace. Down on Market Street. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's New Montgomery. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Down there. The pa- Palace, I think it's the Palace Sheraton now or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It had, at that time, I don't know if it's still in existence, uh, what they called the Garden Court. And it was a restaurant, bar, and it had a, a stage in that area. And there was, there were uh, full stage shows like that would be performed there. And then, like I say, like lounge acts and, and musicians. And it was, it was quite, it was lovely. It was really very cool venue. Yeah. And did he have his own studio, Mike? Or Ultimately he did for a while. Uh, and then he combined with um, some other artists and, and it was very much, it was, it was, I think the, you know, one of the things that I that I take took away from that it was very hip, you know, of the moment, and like I say, very much in the style of of Robbins, Jack Cole, and and I think he had may have, I'm not sure about worked with either one of them, but it really, really in in that in that vein, and very very taste, you know, really hip and cool, and I think that first vision that a dancer has of of the jazz vocabulary is so important that that the correct you know the line the coolness of it the the cleanliness of the um uh the energy of the line you know working into the way into the floor all of that stuff and then the musicality you know just all the syncopations and everything that first jazz or contemporary jazz teacher is so important so that the dancer gets the that full hit of the vocabulary and how deep the vocabulary is. You know, and San Francisco has such a jazz 
scene in general. Yeah. Well, I, I remember, you know, there were yeah. jazz clubs everywhere. There were small venues. Yep. Where jazz music was played. And uh, yep. while I did not run into jazz dances much, uh, I'm sure that those two things working together, you know, they, they, they help to keep the ecosystem going. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, just like it, it, it's, it's, it's just so appealing, you know, the, the rhythm, the depth of it, the African influence that, you know, the, with the dancers working into the floor with the jazz music, African influence, same thing, you know, it's all there. And that's that meaty, wonderful, you know, energetic, sensual sometimes, you know, that, that thing is just so appealing and they do feed each other. They do feed each other for sure. Yeah, huge jazz scene here in the city. Bigger. Um, right now it's a little under because I think for a lot of things with the pandemic and so forth. But yeah, they do feed each other. They do feed each other. Well, I, I walk by places I used to uh, go there and listen to music all the time. And mm -hmm. it's interesting to see what those things have become. The old Keystone Corner in China oh, yeah. now is a, uh, is a fruit stand. But <laughs> I remember seeing a big man in that in that room, a small room and a big man. Not good for the ears, but uh, <laughs> yeah. definitely very good yeah. for the soul. And I'm yeah, sure that, probably some dance uh, performances happened there. Did, did you ever perform at the Keystone Corner? No, I never did. But Anne Marie, my my, I would consider her my main one of my main mentors. Anyway, um, she did at one point in time. She had a a group of dancers that was that was performing uh in in one of the clubs in north beach and i too i can't remember exactly which one it was one of the main ones there on broadway and you know at one point it wasn't topless it was it was it was all jazz clubs restaurants shows you know shows yeah. were going on there mm -hmm. and um at one point she um she had a, a group of dancers doing shows there and it when when she was coming up, the bimbos over on um, Columbus. Yes, I know bimbos. Uh, the huge club there. That was a huge, huge popular club in the Bay Area on the West Coast, and they would get all the big names in there. It was a, it's a beautiful showroom in there. I don't know if you've ever been inside. Beautiful oh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen jazz yeah, many it, times. Ex exactly, huge showroom, and they had. Uh, like I said, very, very popular. They had all the big names and they had dancers and they had a whole, you know, there was all these acts that would, um, the dancers would perform at one point and then the musical acts perform. And she was, uh, when she was, I think still probably a teenager, she was, she was doing the shows there. So yeah, so there was a lot in San Francisco, all in these clubs, a lot of, a lot of entertainment going on, I would say. Yeah. I, and it's know. writing I remember uh, improv yeah. company, uh, the committee, I think had, had a space oh, there yeah. that is yeah. now. And uh, I'm trying to remember the, the place where all the comedians were. It, it was, it was sort of hungry a eye. The, the hungry, hungry eye. eye. Yes. Hungry eye. There's the hungry eye, the purple onion. Uh, purple on Rico's. On Rico's. They were all right across the street from each other. And then the committee was up, up the street a bit across Columbus. And Bimbo's, of course, is almost to Bay on Columbus. Yes, yes, it's closer yeah. to Fisher's Wharf. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. Pinocchio's, the drag club. And Pinocchio's, yep, yep. 
the the pianist <laughs> the pianist for Pinocchios, the head pianist for the Pinocchios. This is we're talking, you know, years and years and years and years ago. Was um, was one of my dad's teachers. My dad was a pianist, and uh, ah. he he studied. Uh, yeah, yeah, with her. Yeah, with a woman. Yeah. So what, what yeah. kind what kind of music did your father playing? Is it mostly jazz? jazz. Is he a, yeah, uh... jazz and uh, you know, of course, when when he was the the predominance of his work was sort of the the tail end of the big band era. He was on the road with one of the big bands, and and then. You know the music started to change, and uh, and you know smaller groups, quartets, trios, that quintets, that kind of thing. Uh, and he went with it. You know, he he uh, doing that. And you know, it's obviously you brought it up. The the changes in music through the different eras changes jazz dance. You know, and at one point, what was considered jazz dance was really just basically social dancing. You know, Charleston, Lindy Hop, that kind of thing. And then as, as the music changed, the dance changed quite a bit, always with the African influences, but still, still, you know, mirroring the changes in music and social mores and so forth. And as the, as that started to happen, of course, the, 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 the dance, the jazz, jazz dancers became more trained dancers, not just social, well, not that social dancers are trained, but you know what I'm saying, more codified uh, vocabulary and trained in ballet and modern and the ethnic forms and so forth. And so that started evolving mm, like late, well, 40s, really 40s into the 50s, 60s, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things that I, I see on film from the 40s, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Vera Lynn and uh, Cicerice, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. folks, you could really see the ballet influence of Vera Lynn. Uh, well, yeah. And Sid Charisse was a straight up ballet dancer before yeah. she, she, yeah, she, um, yeah. in in LA. Yeah. Both of them. So, so uh, the club life, you know, it must've been tough to, uh, do four or five, six shows a, a night and have to hit it again the very next night. Well, the uh, equity schedule is eight shows a week. You know, when I was, doing the the casino venue stuff uh, that was see that was 12 shows a week I think we had one dark night two shows a night and then three shows on Saturday it, yeah I mean it's it's all encompassing the cruise ships that's two shows a night usually that's what I was doing anyway and so you don't you know you uh, you know, Dance Between the Lines was a you know theater show. I mean, that was more of a, that was here in LA, so that was you know a regular a regular week uh, performance, weeks performance. But it's you know dancer's life. I mean, you get up, you take class, you get ready for your show, you go to the theater. That's that's what you do, right? Were so. the uh, groups treated as companies themselves, where you would come together and take class together, or were you on your own to? Uh get yourself ready to go to your job on your own. You, you know, most of, most of professional dancers take tend to take from a, a select group of, of teachers, you know, that to this day. So, but you're, it's on, you know, it's up to you to, to keep all that together and, um, and, you know, stay in shape for the show and, and 
all of that. So it was Dance Between the Lines was definitely a company, you know, because that was the cast rotated a little bit, but not much. I mean, most the most of the original cast uh, stayed through the whole run, which was really unusual and great. That was a great experience. Just everyone that did that show still talks about it as a real high 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 point in in, their, in all of our careers. Working with with work, working with Anne Marie and a bit with Ronnie, like I said, and Ronnie Lewis in that in that show, and then, but yeah, and then the other the other other gigs as a dancer were were a little more separate, a little more on your own. Um, but like I say, Dance Between Lines is more like a theater show, like a cast of West Side Story, that kind of thing. So you're you're together, you know. Let we're on the other shows too, but it's a little bit more. It was a little bit more individual on the other shows, I would say. So you were saying the Dance Between the Lines is, you know, it was a company experience, but others were were less so. Well, yeah, a little more separate. Yeah, yeah, I would say. Now, some of these uh, club dates, these club shows, were they interludes between acts, or were they a codified show in and of itself? That you know, maybe a thirty-minute. Uh, piece or something that would be played every uh every night or how, 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 how did that work in the club scene well i think it was that that part it was actually a little bit before my time as a dancer but i think how it used to work you know years and years ago oh, say from when my dad was still performing and that kind of thing was it would be a dance act the dancers would come out and dance with the show with the club band you know the show band that kind of thing and then there would then the main act would appear that that sort of thing. So kind of think like Vegas um, when you have a headliner and dancers, and or uh, the the old uh, you know variety television shows, that kind of thing. With with one of the with the show the show that Anne Marie did that prior to Dance Between the Lines was a, a a dance show that she got booked into one of those clubs. And so that was a little different animal. So that that's what you were going to see there. But like I say, that was a little bit before my time as as a performer. But yeah, does that help? <laughs> oh yeah, it, it does. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. You know, I I, you know, what, I see models of this in the movies and just want you know just wonder you know what that was about you know. Right. Well, in fact, uh, Jack Cole, uh, Jack Cole. That's how he got his performing and choreography career started. You know, he was a Denishon dancer and then he he started developing his own style and vocabulary and technique and so forth. And he started doing, he put together a, a group of dancers, a company you could call it, of dancers and started doing club dates in New York. And that's how he started getting uh, noticed and gaining fame and started doing Broadway. And then, then he went to Hollywood and he was the first one to actually, and before or since, it's never happened before or since, to actually have a company of dancers that was employed by the, the uh, studio, which was Columbia. His studio was Columbia. And he insisted if he was going to be their house choreographer, that he have a company of dancers. He have a, you know, he had a whole uh, rehearsal multiple rehearsal rooms and so forth and training. And they, the dancers, he had this company of dancers. They took class with him every single day, trained in, in his style and, you know, the knee slides and the whole, 
whole, all the ethnic forms and everything that he used so heavily. And then the Columbia musicals would use those dancers and uh, Jack Cole is the choreographer, but he didn't want to work with dancers that were untrained and particularly untrained in the very athletic and precise vocabulary that he was working in. Well, looking so, at uh, but, on film, he certainly asked a lot of his dancers physically. Oh. And those, those <laughs> yeah. knee slides, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, always yeah. different levels, different yep. shapes. It's almost, it's almost sort of a ballet approach to it as far as creating shapes on stage with the various dancers as opposed Absolutely. to sort of facing the front and doing your thing, which is... Just dancing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he was master of staging, master, as you said, of using levels and prop work, you know, just uh, and so inventive. A lot of the, those films that you see, the, the set design and the costume design, he he was very, very uh, influential in all that and in, in coming up with those ideas as well. So he was, he was there's a great biography of him called, uh, named Unsung Genius. It's um, very uh, informative about him. He influenced, of course, for Fosse, Jack Cole was the main influence for Fosse. And also for Matt Maddox, I don't know if you know that name, but he was the main influence for those two choreographers, for sure, as well as everybody down to today. I would imagine Fosse probably uh, made it through his company at some point uh, as a dancer. No, I don't. I don't think he may have done it into Jack Cole's company. Yes, you know, I fought, uh, every every once in a while you can find some films of Fosse. Um, I guess the most famous one is in uh, Kiss Me Kate, where he does the back. Yes. But yep. <laughs> you know, I would imagine he may he may have uh, made his way through. Uh, Jack Cole's company at some point. I, 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 th- I think you may be right. I'm not sure about that. That's a good one to look up. That little bit in, in uh, Kiss Me Kate, where he does the knee slide in the scream across stage with Carol Haney. Yes. Um, that, w- that was he, that's what he was just begging to choreograph for, for film. And he couldn't get his, you know, couldn't really get a foothold. And he begged in that in that film to just do get just give me a just give me a minute, you know, in one of the in one of the pieces to to do, and I'll I'll deliver, I promise, you know, that kind of thing. And so that little bit that he did with Carol Haney, that was his the first uh, first bit of his choreography on film. Well, it definitely was very very forward looking. Oh, wasn't it? The style and everything. It, it's it's as if he took something from the '60s and plopped it into yep. it something from the early 50s. Uh, I'm sure folks at the time were blown away by uh, the work, either both in a good way or in a scary way. Yeah, well, people were blown away for sure. Yeah, especially the powers that be. (laughs) They didn't expect a knee slide across the soundstage with a scream, no. (laughs) Yeah, but more to come from that, from there, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I see that his work really diverged from, from Jack Cole's style. Great deal that he yep. found his own voice. Uh, it, definitely, I, ha- definitely found his own voice, and ha- a lot of that had to do with his own limitations. He was not a well-trained dancer himself, which you know, a ballet-trained dancer at all, 
and he was primarily a tap dancer, I believe. I, yeah, um, I, think, I think I remember hearing that he, yeah. was, he used to yeah. he used to be an interlude in strip clubs where, you know, you right. have, exactly. have the tap dancer yeah. out while they're changing yeah. clothes. Yeah, exactly. He, and that's where his ideas for a lot of the pieces, like in cabaret and so forth, came from. But he was kind of, his shoulders were kind of hunched. You see photos of him, his shoulders were kind of hunched. And he didn't have, he didn't have extensions. He, 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 you know, was just not a classical trained dancer at all. And he was, you know, slightly awkward in, in, in some ways. Well, he turned that, those things into, as we know, into a huge um, plus. And so all the pronated, you know, the, the line that's pronated, anything, but he had no turnout and, and the use of the hands, you know, to try to, that's a, that's a huge part of it. So he developed this whole style, very extreme and fabulous, you know, um, incorporating isolations, of course, and so forth. But that, that came out of Jack Cole, though, too, the isolation thing, the, the African isolation. Uh, but he developed this whole style based on his own limitations. And there you go. And it's, it's so unique and, you know, stands to this day. I think he, he referred to a style as broken dolls. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah. It, yeah. It, I have not seen anyone since he uh, since he died able to uh, reproduce it. People are still doing Fosse's choreography, but it doesn't. Yep. Look, and I, maybe I'm lying my age. It doesn't look the same as when I first saw it. With, uh, no, the, well, it, they, they it does, it's that. not the same. It's not the same because it doesn't have that gutsy that gutsy again going back to the street kind of thing you know that gutsy thing that's so appealing that's just you know irresistible um so, i was just looking at a couple of things here about jack cole that he he called his style ethnic ballet which that's a pretty apt description i would say because he was he studied ethnic forms religiously mm-hmm. um started starting with denishawn and then he called his classes urban folk dance, <laughs> which is great. That's well, exactly what, what, right. What do you call his uh, classes? Urban folk dance. Ah. Exactly right. Because he really was one uh, to go and watch. And, and, the, and then, you know, my mentors, too, same thing. Watch what's happening on the street. Bring that in. That's the hippest, newest thing. Let's go get it. So it's, it's very interesting that... Uh... I've, I've spoken both formally and informally with other jazz dance aficionados, and you know, there's a there's a mixed uh, feeling about Jack Cole. Some some see his yep. appropriation, and uh, others as a as a as appropriation. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But from what you tell me, it seems that he is giving credit where credit is due. He's not just taking exactly. running with it. He, he is exactly. Saying, he always credit. Always credited the ethnic forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can say it that way, you know what I'm saying. All the, all the different forms that he uh, yeah, well, he used South Asian yeah. forms. He used all kinds of things in his movement. Yeah, and you can see glimpses um, of it sometimes. Sometimes you'll you'll go uh, through an entire continent in one of his three minute pieces. Yeah, exactly. What was that? Uh, on the Riviera. Yeah, yeah, that was the film. Yeah, there's a. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talk of appropriation about jazz period, jazz music, jazz dance. And um, 
I, I, I think, you know, some of it's valid. I mean, it's, it's always based in African movement, African culture, always the good stuff. Cause that's, that's where that, that incredible energy and form and intention lies with, with no, out, any doubt. Now you can get your, you know, I don't deny you have to, you know, if you're going to work professionally, you need the, the, the classical training, the modern training, but you also need this, uh, this thing that, um, is, has that gut thing that moves you through space, not just technique. So Lady, talk a little bit about Jack Cole. You talked a little bit about some of the people you studied with early on, but in your opinion, who are some of the prime movers in, in jazz dance? Who are the folks who, who make it what it is today? The jazz dance greats, that's yes. that, that Hall of Fame. There's a lot of them, and they've all been influential in certain ways, either in concert work or film or, or stage theater. But Jack's at the top of the list, but Lester Horton, of course, uh, he's he's considered, you know, uh, contributing certainly to the jazz vocabulary. Catherine Dunham, Matt Maddox. I'm just going to give you a list. Is that okay? That's just fine. Okay. Gene Kelly, Jerome Robbins, very incredibly important. He changed Broadway. Uh, you know, Gus Giordano uh, in Chicago, Fosse, of course, Luigi in New York. He uh, he had a huge career, teaching career, and developed a, a what we would call sort of lyrical, this this a very a, a very stretched, uh, sort of soft but yet angular style that's that still referenced. This is Luigi. Luigi. He, his his real name was Eugene Lewis. Fuck, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. F a c c u i t o Acuto. Okay. But he went by Luigi. Okay. And yeah. He, one name. Just like Madonna. Just like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He was in some horrible accident and told he would never walk again, basically paralyzed. And, and he said, no, you know, and he developed this uh, series of exercises to try to get himself back out of that, which he did do and not only walk, but dance and everything for decades and decades. He was in New York. Uh, Michael Bennett, of course, of course, line dream girls, Michael Peter, who's Michael Jackson's primary choreographer, you know about him. Charlie Atkins, who did, he was a tapper, famous tapper. He had tap act with another guy, and he became the Motown. He did all of the Motown acts. So the, the, the uh, choreography that you see the four tops and Temptations doing early on, he was there. Charlie Atkins. Oh, yeah, he goodness. was the in-house choreographer for all of the acts at the you know the golden age of of, uh, of Motown. Yeah, then there's some other folks here. I, I, Pearl Primus, did we talk about her? Well, not at all. No. Okay. Uh, African American, incredible dancer and choreographer. Uh, Tally Beatty, we, I think we talked about him. Uh, Donald McHale, mm-hmm. huge, huge um, influence. And he's one, of, he's one of the ones that actually, because of him, uh, UC Irvine has, of course, a whole jazz program there. And and of course, that's been influential all over the country as far mm-hmm. as university programs. Frank Hatchett, who was uh, in New York, primarily decades and decades and decades. Lynn Simonson, who uh, developed a, a, a very uh, prescribed class uh, for, form 
Was she more of a somatic type teacher? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Holder. Some of those folks, some of those folks overlap different. Exactly. Uh, like, like Jeffrey Holder, I know him as, you know, mainly a contemporary dancer. Exactly. With his roots with Ailey. Yes. And some of the things that he did on, on his own. Yes. I think, did you work with a Haitian dancer? Catherine Dunham? Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, they, they, they yeah. You worked work with Dunham as well. He, I think so. I think early on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, certainly he, he's in that, that really silly film, Live and Let Die, where you have the Dunham group actually uh, doing a little segment in that in that film. Yeah, yeah. The, um, oh, and, the, and then the, the sort of the L.A. the LA crowd, Roland Dupre, mm -hmm. someone I studied with in L.A. Mm -hmm. for a while. And uh, Joe Tremaine, mm -hmm. who went on to, he was the sort of the the one that got all these competitions really, really going. He had a hugely successful studio down there for mm -hmm. years, and, and uh, the Tremaine competitions got started. He he developed some people call it West Coast jazz, just like in the music form. Uh, he developed a whole thing, and you know, of course, was tremendously successful um, commercially. Well, West Coast jazz, as, as I remember, I mean, this is me thinking music rather than right. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, it took a lot of the edges off the New York style. That West Coast was, was pulled back, very cool, very cool. Exactly, exactly. Stephen Peck, that's a name. I studied with him for quite a while in LA, and that was he. His style was on the Luigi style, very cool, exactly what you're talking about. Gorgeous, long lines, lengthening, you know, just beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous work. He had a company of dancers similar to Jack Cole that he worked with, and they uh, he he uh, was very successful teaching and had a, uh, got a lot of work at a certain point in the seventies and into that era. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned competition. I mean, do you think that competition has a uh, evolutionary place in the, in the jazz dance world, or is it a detractor? I I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Uh, I I think how can I? I don't want to sound completely sound completely negative about it because I there's got to be something good that's coming out of it, but it's putting numbers to art for one thing you know that you've got to get a score and that sort of thing and so what happens is that these very this very prescribed narrow vocabulary at every single competition because you know one school or one dancer is winning all the competitions doing basically a gymnastics routine and calling it contemporary or calling it contemporary jazz and so then every other, then that's, you know, all the other schools, the dancers go in, in that direction. So it's this very narrow vocabulary and mm -hmm. look, they're, they're not diverse to begin to, for the most part. And I'm, I'm really generalizing because I know there's some fine dancers that ultimately come out of that experience and go on to have careers. I've worked with some of them, you know, but they're also the ones that have been trained more universally. They, mm -hmm. They've had... You know, tremendous uh, uh, classical foundation, modern jazz, uh, contemporary, urban. They they've been they've been thoroughly trained mm -hmm. and prepared for a career. If I had to guess, I would guess that those dancers are folks who have had sort of a tense relationship with their competition teachers as well. Tense relationship? Yes, probably because they're they're more diverse. They're more mm -hmm. they have a bigger vocabulary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. I, I remember uh, as a kid in school, I was I was the one jerk kid who would actually read the recommended reading and then throw it back at the teacher and they gave it back. <laughs> there will be no more information. No new information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you recommended this book. <laughs> I read it. And I also read. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I, I have imagined that, that the, you get the same situation with those some dancers in competition studios. Right, right. I I was actually brought into one of those studios, one of those competition, like these factories for several years, uh, for, well, a couple of years, because the director recognized that the, the students were looking like automated <laughs> apparitions, you know, and they needed, they needed their upper body, they needed the control in, the, in, in isolations, they needed all that, that center work that, that is the, in the core of jazz. That sounds like some great self-awareness on, on she was she was really smart. She was really smart. And they win everything. They still do to this day. They, you know, but but it's a specific, it's still a specific look. And those those dancers are they're not in my opinion, they're 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 not uh, they're not trained. They're not trained enough, you know, or not a broad enough vocabulary, even still. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very interesting. I wonder how we can get that kind of, well, you know, cosmopolitan view of whatever it is you're doing into all parts of our uh, our country and not just in certain uh, cities that have a great deal of diversity. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. It, 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 I, well, I think I think the more that we hammer away at at you know, shouting from the rooftops that if you're going to pursue a career in dance or that you you need this broad vocabulary and experience and to be open to all these new things, not not resistant, but to be embracing a different vocabulary. You've had nothing but ballet for your the first 18 years of your life. That's fabulous. But now open up open up and and, and embrace uh, other ideas, other looks, other techniques. Other, it only enhances what you already have. It does not take away from what you have. It, mm-hmm. it only enhances it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think the more we get that word out and the more we I think the more we get it, well, obviously into the studios, but also into the university programs and which which is happening. It's been happening since the 90s. That the university programs are expanding to include more ethnic forms, jazz, uh, and not just ballet and modern, which is great. That's the base, you know, gotta have it. Those are that's the foundation, the mothership, you know. But then to expand this in preparation for a professional career, whether mm-hmm. it's performing or teaching or choreographing or directing, but to have that wider vocabulary. It also with jazz dance, a lot of times it's it's kind of dismissed as just being entertainment, right? Yes. So people who don't know the depth of the vocabulary, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it it's in entertainment or, oriented. It can certainly be, but it can be all these other things too. Concert work, uh, you know, very modern, but just like jazz music, same thing, you know, very all kinds of different things, and and a lot of these people think. Uh, it's probably less worthy of inclusion mm-hmm. in than less worthy than the ballet or the modern. Okay. However, with with our growing 
awareness of the variety of cultures and backgrounds in our society in, in, in our country and particularly here. The, there's more attention to jazz and to that training and to that vocabulary because it, it's becoming more clear that, that that training needs to be part of a professional career. Yeah, yeah. And it, you're really limiting your, your, your possibilities so much if you don't if you don't have it. So it has increased its presence in U.S. dance form or dance programs. And again, Donald McHale is essential in getting that going at, at UC. But I think the more that it's included, the, the better the dancer. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to date myself. But, I, I, you know, I think the death of the variety show probably has had a lot of impact on folks' perception of jazz and, and variety of jazz. Big, big, dip, big, big changes in, in the business. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's definitely one of them, sort of like death of, of vaudeville. However, when vaudeville died is when musical theater mm -hmm. really was able to take off. And that was, that was an improvement. Okay. Really it, it, a lot, but a lot of the vaudeville was transferred over to musical theater. A lot of the, the way the acts were constructed and so forth until Agnes DeMille and that the telling the story through 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 choreography, through dance mm -hmm. with Oklahoma in 1943, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um and Jerome Robbins. He was instrumental in that. Well, Sailor's Three, I think it's what what is that Robbins Sailor's Three? What's that? Sailor's Three. Is that a Robbins uh ballet? Oh, you mean um it, it, it's uh not Sailor's Three. Uh, it'll come to me. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I know the what the the three sailors dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, was fancy, 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 fancy free, fancy free, fancy free. And then on the town, the musical on the town was based on that ballet, which mm -hmm. is a very unusual pedigree. Usually, it rarely a musical rarely is formed from a uh, a ballet. Yes, but it was a it was a huge hit, wildly. I mean, just mm -hmm. crazy, crazy hit. So, the, mo the movie is insane. It's insane. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the dancing, I mean, I mean, it was, it was not necessarily greatly cast because, I mean, Frank Sinatra as, as talented as he was, and as he, he certainly gained dancing. In Absolutely. Film, but, uh, yeah, it, it would have been yeah. nice to have a dancer. Yeah. Would have been, would have been very nice to have. Yeah. But it's an insane movie. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, the, the ballet it has sort of a, Especially in you know with millennials, because I, I remember Fancy Free was done at, at Central Ballet yeah, this yeah, year, fabulous, and yeah. there there was a lot of criticism of the entire concept oh. of the ballet. Oh well, it's very. It, I mean, I guess people would call it sexist today. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's very. It's of its period. You know? It's of its period, and it's, it's also of its period exactly, exactly. Uh, certainly true to life of. Uh, what I remember as a kid, you know, singular, single uh, military guys back on leave for exactly. their life. You exactly. know, and Robbins was doing this uh, post uh, World War II or World War. Right? Yeah, I think it may have been during the war. It was, it was during the war time, yeah, yeah, yeah mid forties about. Uh, and he his his inspiration was walking down the streets of New York and seeing these sailors home on leave and what was the energy of it and everything. Yeah. So it was literally what was happening on the streets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then. Yeah. 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 Different like again. Different, different time. Different time. 
different times. Different times, time. but um, but again, jazz always reflects the moment. Mm-hmm. Always, so it's constantly changing, which is incredible. The the you mentioned the 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 demise of the variety show um, that sort of transferred to Vegas mm-hmm. and to cr- the cruise ship. You know, that's a huge source of employment for dancers. Right. And but it's, it's, it's the, it doesn't really infuse itself to the culture, you know, because not a lot because I have, I haven't been to Las Vegas in 20 years necessarily. And I'm sure a lot of people have never gone and will never go. Uh, yeah. Cruise ships, that sort of thing. Whereas, yeah. you know, you're, you're, Home, you you know you have the El Selvin show, Hollywood Palace. Yeah. Yep. Every major uh, musical star had a show. You know, yep. so if it were today, you know, we would have the Ariana Grande show. Exactly. And exactly, they would have a variety of different people on there, including maybe a jazz company. Exactly. Doing well, a, and a private segment. Jack Cole did Hollywood Palace many many times over mm-hmm. and over again with, with a company of dancers yeah but you're right uh peter Gennaro mm-hmm. did did a ton of they he, all he did was, he was always on that television yeah they did a ton of them uh fossey fossey yeah uh, Mex- mexican breakfast was uh, on that's all i believe yes he, he did that he did many they all did you had to have a presence mm-hmm. on those shows to be Considered a pro at the moment, you mm-hmm. know that was it. And they all every show had a, had dancers. Ernie Flat was the choreographer for uh, the Carol Burnett show. Mm. Great gig. Yes, that was a great gig. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah, June Taylor with uh, uh, Gleason, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, yeah. You know that was one of the earliest ones. Yeah. And even the, the hullabaloo thing that I sent you. Yeah, here here's a pop music basically MTV the very beginning of MTV. Yep. But they still had a jazz. Company. They they had a company of dancers. Yeah. yeah. Michael Winters mm-hmm. with the right Michael Winters uh, David David David, David, David Winters, yes the original cast West Side Story mm-hmm. so uh, his choreography was great you know it, it, it you mean look you look at it with twenty twenty two eyes it, you know there's some stuff that's a little dated and so forth but the energy of it and the quality of the dancers especially on Hollywood was was fantastic mm-hmm. and I think that's you know a lot of people as Maybe as the variety shows started to kind of disappear from television, so we make a good point. Um, I think the only variety show we have left is Saturday Night Live. I was thinking of the same thing. And that, I was thinking of the same and thing. And it's not, it's still not it's still quite not the same quite. Yeah. model as the other shows. But I was thinking the exact same thing when you mentioned Ariana Grande. I thought, you know, that's that's where there's a there's a headliner and there are acts and there's they and they sing and dance, you know, when it when the, the sketch calls for it. But mm-hmm. absolutely, I agree. With you. Mm-hmm. But, and I also think that um, you know when it's still when the variety show started to go away, you make a really good point there. I think it, it, and I guess it's true for every genre really of dance. Um, a lot of people, first of all, don't know what jazz is. They have not been trained well in a in a solid vocabulary of you know of of, of uh, all the basics. A lot of people teaching jazz know not one thing of what they're doing. I yeah. have to say that. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's you know brought some of the quality down. And so, um, one of your colleagues, uh, AJ Arbion Jones, is extremely annoyed about that portion of it. Well, it's it's terrible because it gives yeah. us all a bad name. That's why a lot of times, you know, people you say jazz class. Oh, that's you know that's not going to be a real class. That's mm-hmm. not going to be a technical class. That's just going to be you know go in there and have fun. And no, <laughs> it's, no, it's, 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 it's extremely it's a huge difficult, broad, 
fabulous vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So I'm anyway, but there is a resurgence and there is a more solid presence in the universities across the country. So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. My friends in New York who are, are working as dancers now, it's part of their, their regular with the classes that they take, you know, of course they're, they're modern in their ballet classes, but they take a jazz class several times a week to stay relevant uh, professional. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed about jazz, especially the classes, I don't see jazz perform as much publicly, although it's starting to come back in yep. television commercials and a yep. little bit in videos, uh, but I yep. don't see it as much uh, as before because there, there's a time when jazz music was what a teenager would put on on the record player when they wanted mm -hmm. to play something hip for their mm -hmm. and the, it's, it's not the soundtrack of, of the youth anymore it's a soundtrack of older people it's, right. which is which is a shame which is a shame yep. we're making that music at the time we're in their 20s and 30s so this right. is a thing it's right. don't get me started because uh, I love it, as, as you will know but uh Jazz music often is not used in in, in jazz class. I hear mm -hmm. pop music, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, not yeah. not jazz. Is there what? Uh, does it turn people off to introduce that music into the room? No, not necessarily. I use I use some jazz pieces in in my work. I think what what what. I know there's there you know there's some purists that if if it's if it's jazz, if it's jazz dance then that means you must use jazz music. There's some people that feel that way. I don't feel that way because I because I think jazz is this amazing rich buffet of jazz music. The same way, it, all the influences are 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 they're huge. It's not just one influence, right? Again, primarily. I mean, from the African forms, but the um, jazz dance the same way. Jazz dance reflects the the times, always, always has. Like I said, when 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 it was first uh, called something called jazz dance, it it was um, coming out of the 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 teens, the twentieth century into the twenties with you know jazz jazz music developing dixieland and so forth and then you know it got moved into the the dances the, the popular dances the social dances the charleston the lindy hop the cakewalk was a little bit earlier but um so black it's jazz bottom. dance with black bottom exactly reflects the, the times always reflecting and it reflects um the diversity of our culture right it reflects cultural changes, okay? And it, jazz dance is always influenced, always has been influenced by social dance and, and, and popular music. And I don't see, I think that's great. I think the thing that we, you know, art forms die because they don't, they don't evolve. And, and jazz dance has done huge evolution since, say the, the mid 20th century huge you know and as as 
pop again as popular music and popular forms evolve, jazz dance evolves too. I think it, I think I mean I make the case for it's it can we can include it all. We can be inclusive. Fabulous to use a piece of pieces of jazz music in class or in in pieces. Wonderful, fantastic. But it's also great to use other other things. There's a whole Latin section of of jazz of jazz dance and jazz music that I love to get into as often as I can. But I think we can be inclusive. I think you you know just as if you're choosing a popular piece of music, you have to choose something that's going to be uh, for classes anyway. That's going to be accessible to the students that they're going to hear, they're going to get, they're going to get the rhythms, they're going to get the accents and the syncopations. Right? I think that's true of any piece of music that you choose for class. It's true of ballet music for class. You know, it has to be it has to be something that the dancers are going to respond to, hear. Um, want to work their butts off to that kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's inclusivity is, is, is absolutely the key to, to this form. Absolutely. Musical theater, musical theater forms. I love, I, I'm teaching right now. I'm teaching a, a musical theater class, a musical theater jazz class. And it's, it's great, you know, but that's still another form. That's a, still another part of this thing we call jazz dance. That's under the umbrella. So it's hip hop breaking all of it so you would include hip-hop and breaking in in the jazz vernacular i would it's a it's a to to a degree <laughs> to a degree because it really again has its own vocabulary and term and there's a whole like hip-hop lifestyle thing and you know going on and all that um i don't i don't know i i don't think it's hard and fast what i what i'm talking to is that I think maybe more on the other end that jazz dance has certainly been influenced by hip hop. Okay. So there's, there's a whole like urban feel again, that I love to incorporate in, in my classes. No one anywhere would call it hip hop, but it's an urban feel to the, to the jazz movement. And that's a, that's a hip hop influence. So there's, there's always a street urban pop culture influence to jazz dance and to jazz music you know um it's, it's very interesting to see how these things how these things evolve and just how there's a push pull I, I recently saw a segment from and again dating myself again a segment okay. from uh the television show hullabaloo oh yeah mm-hmm. in the 60s that <laughs> yeah. was uh uh composed of people from the old west side story cast and young dancers who would go on to be part of uh, Fosse's golden age in the early seventies, you know. Uh, cool, cool, yeah. Like, and it was uh, it's interesting that you know they're they're doing uh, the pony and the, and the jerk and everything behind these uh, mm-hmm. British invasion rock bands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, the uh, the producers would say, "Okay, now the Hullabaloo dancers were going to do something of their own." And you would have a three-minute segment of a straight-ahead jazz routine, even the jazz music, right. which is right. pro- probably drove the kids watching the show who wanted to see Herman's Hermits met. Yeah. But, but they gave them that that, that three minutes to show, yeah, here's yeah. a certain here's a certain style of uh, of movement, and yes, we can do a lot more than the pony. 
Exactly. They were dying to do that. You know that. You know those dancers were dying to show what they could do. Yeah. And, and right? they, they were pretty yeah. good. I mean, they were pretty good. Oh, yeah. Those, <laughs> they, they were, the, those they, were they, great jobs. The exactly. No, they, I mean, you, you, have to be, you have to be a good dancer to get those jobs. You have to be a great dancer because you have to be so versatile. And this is what I always talk to my students about is that it, you know, you cannot go into this. If you're going into it professionally, you cannot go into it with tunnel vision. You know, you have to, you have to be trained in everything. Now, a straight up ballet career is a little bit different, but a lot, you know, so much of the repertory is contemporary repertory uh, for companies now, of course, and including all kinds of stuff. Right. So, and you brought up a really important part of, of jazz dance training is improvisation, just as it is with jazz music training. Improvisation is a huge part of it. And to open you up and find that voice and try different things, it's, it's, it's a big part of it. I try to include some impro- improv in my classes at some point, uh, sometimes even within the combination. But uh, that's it. I wish I, I can't. I would love to see that clip that you're talking about. That sounds fabulous. I would love it. I, I, I'll send it to you because every time I I'm, would love it. Every time I'm feeling a little bit down, I will find it and just take a look at it. So <laughs> it always makes that's me great. smile to see. And uh, exactly. It just it's just that's what I, that sounds. I would love to see that. I mean, that's one of the things that I again I talk about with my students is that you know, and I and I know I have a. a a prejudice in this direction is that I, I really think that, you know, a jazz dancer, contemporary jazz dancer is they're some of the best dancers, trained dancers on the planet because we have to do it all. You know, we have to do the classical technique. We have to study modern, the ethnic forms, the street forms, um, the Latin forms, right. And get that all. And then at change it in a moment's notice, one piece could have a Latin feel to it. The next piece could have more of a street feel. The next piece could be straight up classic concert work, concert jazz, which is uh, beautiful and, and more, I would say more elegant maybe in its, in its, in its feel. So anyway, that's my little, I'm on a soapbox about that. I, I think that a lot of times people I'll just say it, put down jazz dance because they don't, they don't know it. They don't know what it really is. And, and it's, it's a hard thing to define, but I think. The most annoying thing is every time you mention jazz dance, someone will make a joke about jazz hands. Yes, exactly. Or they'll, they'll make the, the jazz hand uh, position <laughs> happen, you know? And I think it's, it's, I, I feel like a one person campaign to, you know, to get to get more respect for for uh, for jazz dance and contemporary jazz dance to to everywhere. You know, to um, academic uh, situations, university situations. It's it's still not taught as part of the regular curriculum in a lot of universities, a lot of dance departments. UC Irvine is one of the first departments to to make it a, 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 a required part of the curriculum there. A lot of that having to do with Donald McHale, because Donald McHale was there. That was his home base for years and years. And it's, I think a lot of people think of it as a, they don't realize how much it changes with the culture. It's, it's constantly changing and evolving. It's not stuck 
in, you know, 50s stuff or Fosse stuff or any, anything like that at all. And you, I think people just don't, sometimes they're looking at jazz dance, they don't realize they are because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But it needs to get, it needs to get respect, Jamie. We got to, <laughs> we got to do that. It's, I think it's, a, it's, it's considered by most people, by a lot of people anyway, strictly entertainment and maybe not very good entertainment because maybe they haven't really seen the real thing or they haven't really seen, like you're talking about the fabulous dancers that were on that show when they broke out of, to do their own thing and broke out doing the, the pony and the jerk and all that stuff. Here's these gorgeous dancers. Well, that's jazz dance. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's neither high nor low, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the most, it represents the moment and it certainly represents the diversity of American culture. Well, I'm, I'm certainly one of those people who's a purist when it comes to my con- consumption of art. So it's, it's hard <laughs> for me. I'm one of those guys who goes back to the beginning and, and watches things and uh, tries to learn about the roots of something in order to understand what's going on with it now. And uh, I don't think, I don't think there's a, a, an orientation toward that necessarily. I'm, I'm no. right now through my brain, I'm going through all the different routines I've seen on film going back mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. well, going back to the mid forties, but there's, there's stuff even mm-hmm. in, at, you know, the very beginning, uh, you mentioned social dance. Yeah. I, I, somewhere I, I have a clip of, uh, Duke Ellington at the cotton club in 1930. Yeah. And uh. they, uh, a segment of two dancers doing the black bottom, but it was entirely improv that they came out and just did their thing. And that's what you're yeah. talking about as opposed to, uh, uh, concert dance. They, just got two very good professional dancers to to show what this dance is uh, with the uh, style of music he was playing. But I just wish right. that more people knew about this stuff. Sometimes I, you see me. So do I. Uh, I, I, I feel like I remember people by grabbing them and making them sit and take a look at certain things. And sometimes yeah. sometimes it, a light bulb goes off and sometimes it doesn't. Right, right. Right. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I love spreading the word about this. I love it. And I, I think it's really important because, again, it's, it's one of the most important forms, dance forms on the planet as far as professional dance goes and the history of dance goes in the, in the you know, 20th, 21st century. So how, how do you instill this, this thought about the, uh, the work itself, you know, get the student to engage with the music. And I'm not talking about yeah. jazz music, but you just, just be able to engage with music in general and not see the music as an impediment to them learning how to dance, right. but as an augmentation to the dance itself. Right. Well, it's, I have to say it's, I, I feel like I'm preaching, you know, I really do preaching the word. <laughs> My father was such a great musician. He really was. He was just a very tasty, just hip, hip uh, pianist. And I, I got such a huge understanding of music from him. I actually played violin for, for years and years and years and had to kind of make the choice at one point between the violin and dance, but there was no choice. I mean, I was going to dance. That was it. Violin was just a side side hustle, <laughs> but but um, he would 
he taught me just, I would, as a kid, I mean, eight, nine years old, my, my best girlfriend, this is going to get, I'll, I'll try to cut, make this short, but she lived across the street. Her father was also a musician and we would, and both, both my parents and, and uh, Diane's parents had a huge music collection. Diane and I would listen to everybody for hours and hours and hours all the time, almost every day. Ellington, Billy Holiday, Sarah, uh, Ella, I mean, the, all of it, Duke, all, all of it. We would, we, and we got immersed in, you know, that great music at such a young age and such an appreciation for, for it and for the musicians and, and what it took to, to be, to make that music and all of it. And my dad instilled that in me, just really just instilled it in me. And so I have such respect for the music and the musicians and the composers. And then within my classes, I always acknowledge who we're dancing to, uh, who the musicians are, a little bit of their history, how it happens so that the students come away with, you know, this is not just wallpaper. This is, this is the heart of what we're doing here. If you're dancing without accompaniment, there's still a rhythm there. There's still a rhythm. It's your, maybe it's your breath, but there's still a rhythm there, and there's respect for that. That's the basis of it. Our heartbeat keeps us alive. So the beat is there. The beat is what the, the rhythm of it is, is the basis of everything. So I try to instill the, the students that. I try to, to talk about the things that you and I are talking about today in all of my classes as much as I can without, you know, talking too much and getting them to, to dance, but I try to insert as much of this in, in when I'm teaching as I possibly can. And I find, honestly, Jamie, that the students are fascinated, particularly my young, younger students, my teenagers, fascinated by all of this. And I give them little assignments, you know, look up this person, look up Jack Cole, look up Catherine Dunham, look up, you know, know who, know who you come from, okay? This didn't spring from So You Think You Could Dance. There, there are centuries of geniuses that we are, because of them, we're dancing, because of them, we're doing this. So I, I try to try to give as much as I can and give a little bit of this in every class I teach. So and that is a wonderful message. You know, sir, keep, keep on doing that because I, I don't want this stuff to be lost and I don't want it to be uh, discounted. As far as uh, right. you know, trying to introduce things right. as, uh, as a choreographer and have it either the uh, meerkat stairs or the uh, uh, or have it be rebuffed outright because it is not from now. It's not something we know about from now. Or that's that, that's that old stuff. It, it's a well, but, yeah, but that that you build on the past and we look to the future, right? Yeah. So we, we are nothing without our past. We're nothing without these geniuses that came before us. We didn't think this stuff up. <laughs> okay. It's coming, it's coming through us this moment. And this moment is fabulous. What we have right now is fabulous. But, you know, we, we, we look to the past for inspiration and then we look forward. But we have to do those two things as artists. We have to do those two things. Uh, looking forward. I see a lot of different descriptions of jazz when I look at jazz classes, for example. And right. number one, do you think that these these jazz do you think that these titles are are true to what jazz is, or are they something that is sort of made up for marketing purposes, or do you think that they are actual branches from the uh, from the jazz tree? Well, 
things like fusion, things like jazz funk, uh, contemporary jazz, uh, well, Latin jazz definitely is there. It became a thing of its own with uh, Dizzy Gillespie and uh, right, right. But uh, I, know, I think. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, finish your thought. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying. Do you see these these branches are being real branches, or are they bastardizations of the art form? I I think for them I think for the most part they're they're real thing you know they're real things they're real branches for sure a lot of it but I think it also depends on the messenger you know who is teaching this do they have are they grounded in in really knowing what this is all about and knowing the history and knowing what came before us you know I think that's a huge thing don't you I think that's a huge thing you can't I mean, I think people, particularly in the jazz world, particularly in the dance world, period, there's people, everybody has their own style and their own approach. And that's, and that's great. That's great. But it, it came, it, <laughs> it still came from, from what's been done before us always. Right. And then it evolves, it changes new new forms develop etc um but i i think i think it's i think these forms are are valid i don't think anything should be necessarily excluded uh, except when it's not based in something it needs to you know what i'm saying does that make any sense to you at all um yeah and so some there's there's a whole there's like a certain segment small but that think the only real jazz dance is the lindy hop and swing swing dancing because that's done to swing music right right and i i i disagree with that because i know those dancers that vocabulary is fabulous done i mean the real vocabulary is just unbelievable it's great but it also incorporates a whole lot of other stuff still you know, a whole lot of other forms. And so I, I don't, I don't like to exclude anything. I think, I think that's the whole point of jazz that it's, in, it, it's inclusive. But is again, as long as it's based in something real. Uh, I don't, I, and by saying that, I feel like I'm sounding condescending or something. I don't mean to sound that way at all. It just, it, it needs to be, it needs to be based in, in real a real vocabulary and a real basis. Yeah, I, I, I can kind of understand what, what you're saying. You know, it's a yeah, it's, it's a balancing act. I certainly am not so much of a purist. I think that the only jazz dance is uh, the Lindy Hop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it, uh, <laughs> although some of those dancers, especially the way they and, and that, those dances have evolved too. Have you seen some of the uh, swing clubs and some of the swing? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, workshops and they're like uh, they've taken yeah. that movement to other places, which is absolutely uh, as as they should, or else it's it's going to die. Absolutely. So it, it absolutely. does it does not look like the uh, the things that were done at the Savoy, you know, exactly. But but good. I want you to look up. I want you to look up this person, Pepsi. It's still just like the drink, Pepsi Bethel, B E T H A L, Pepsi Bethel, and He's the one that started Whitey's Lindy Hoppers, okay. and they did a lot. They did a they did a ton of movies in the '40s, and 
that's some of the most unbelievable Lindy hopping I've ever seen in my life. And that's like about 1942, maybe something like that. Is that the unbelievable. same Hilton Poppin? Yes. Yeah, that, yes. that, that segment is uh, insane. Yes. yes, it's insane. And that's Pepsi Bethel. That's, that's who did that. And that's who um, he taught in New York for decades and decades and decades. But it was all around the Lindy Hop. It's all around that. So, you know, again, would that be called jazz? Well, yeah, why not? It's social dancing, really, but it's social dancing to the nth degree. I mean, yeah. And those were choreographed routines. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But but some of the, you know, quote unquote specialties that the dancers did when they did little solos and stuff, some of that was improvised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, you look at Lenny Hopper's today. Uh, you can, like I said, you can find some of these uh, workshops and the like online uh, from all over yeah. the world. A lot from Europe. Europeans has really taken to yes. the swing yeah. world. And yeah. their style of dancing is very different than uh, the Lenny Hoppers of, of the 40s. Right, right. But it's, an, right. it's evolution, not a diminution. Right, exactly, exactly. That's what exactly what I'm talking about. There's a whole jazz dance thing, you know, in France because of mathematics, because it's in the 70s, I believe it was, he left the U.S. and went to, to live in, I think, England first and then moved to France. And he started this whole, this whole jazz dance thing in France that is very, very strong, you know. And certainly that's not going to look exactly like what it looks like here. In fact, when I was living in Paris and I was studying there and I was auditioning and so forth, in, in Paris, in um, the teacher, the classes that I was taking at Opera Plaza would, uh, or the, uh, the opera, the, where the opera is there, it's a, it's a studio called Paris Centre. She would always have me, when we did Witten Group, she would always have me go with the boys, you know, with the men, because I moved so big, you know, like an American does. We moved big. And the girls were doing these little, if you could see, you know, <laughs> soft things and, and I, I moved out you know as as Americans do in this form and she said lean lean go with the boys so <laughs> <laughs> but you know it can it, it it I really believe it includes everything from you know hip-hop to Jack Cole the tap and it, it, when it has this thing this syncopated into the earth real authentic African American thing. It's fabulous. How can you how can you not love it? <laughs> so, uh, where do you think uh, jazz dance is going next? Oh, uh, hard to say. I think I think it's having a resurgence. I told you that before. I think um, because of a lot of things because of West Side Story. Um, uh, uh, well, La La Land was a little while ago, but. It's, it's, it's in the ether, you know, it's around, it's definitely hot in New York, uh, as far as classes go, not as much, but present definitely in LA, as you said, you see more and more dancers on, and that's always a key when you see it in commercial stuff, because that means they're putting money on this cells, you know, and the commercials, there's a, a, an insurance one, I think, about Old Navy, Oh, there's several of them now that are using 
dancers. Old Navy is totally committed to it. Their whole campaign has been using dancers for a long time now. And that's always, a, you know, that's always a good sign. Musical theater can be hotter. There's that going on. So, and as certainly as theater and the whole business comes back from the pandemic, it's not back yet, but it's, you know, crawling back for sure. I think it will, it will be more and more visible. I think uh, it's, 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 you know, it's a lot of things. The, the music is, is usually great or the movement is great. It's sexy. It's wonderful. Uh, it is entertaining and there's nothing wrong with that. That, it doesn't make it, that doesn't make it lesser than or low art or something because it entertains. Well, if only we can bring back the uh, supper club dinner show culture again back to San Francisco. That certainly will kickstart things. I don't know if the... Uh, yeah, I don't. Like yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, Vegas is still, you know, hot, hotter than hot with 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 uh, big production shows and so forth that uses dancers. All the all the headliners that that work in Ve- Vegas use use dance and choreography to frame the show. As I said, musical theater couldn't be hotter. It's it's just you know on everybody's radar as far as what's happening in theater so yeah i i i think it's i think we just you know we have to keep we have to keep it uh keep at it keep it visible and keep it fresh you know like i said honor the past and look to the future well i think that's a great place to end thank (laughs) you so much lynn thank you for taking the time to uh speak with us today and uh, I'm, I'm you know looking forward to seeing you seeing more of your work and and also hoping that uh you can spread the gospel i'm certainly doing what i can on my end thank you very much jamie we, we, that's great i love hearing that yes spread the gospel that's what we got to do this was a total pleasure thank you such an honor thank you so much for asking me i'm i'm very honored by this thank you so much all right lynn thank you you take care thank take you care. jamie Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening today. Mod Pod, the Museum of Dance podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other discerning streaming services. Remember to subscribe and rate us. Give us five stars because we are fabulous. Museum of Dance is a nonprofit organization. We work to preserve and contextualize the universal art of dance for the greater public through innovative exhibitions, diverse educational programs, and accessible archival collections. Explore what moves you at museumdance.org. You can sign up here for emails, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.